1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Going to kind of be an extension of what I had Sunday before last. Judgment. Judgment's good. 11th chapter, <clears throat> verse 26. He's talking here about to the Lord's Supper of Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And they had a lot of problems, <laughs> multitude of them. One, he said he's going to set in order right now, and he'll do some more when he come to them in person. But he's talking about the Lord's Supper, how they should take it in its pure state. And look always unto the Lord. Lay down all this other stuff. It had got to be it got out of hand, they was having a party. Every time they had communion, they was having a party. And uh, he kinda got on the twenty sixth verse said, and as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. Wherefore Whosoever shall eat this bread or drink this cup, this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And that's where we'll be today. Let a man examine himself. We must, we must do that. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup after he's examined himself. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For... If, that little if there is a, it's a mighty, mighty word, if. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together, to eat, tarry one for another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest I will set in order when I come. So they had a lot of problems. Seemed like a worse one they had left off the true worship. They certainly had left off examining their, their selves to see if what they were doing was right. We, we ha we're told over and over and over in the Word of God how we ought to act. 
especially in the church of the living God. So we, we, when we come together, we ought to come together in a solemn assembly to worship the Lord. In this case, it was to remember him. But all the other stuff was getting in their way of remembering him because they had failed to judge themselves in their conduct and was doing things that were unnatural and unruly, which would bring in shame upon the church of God. In the 26th chapter of the book of Isaiah, <coughs> Yes, we begin reading in verse 15, 15, 16. Thou hast increased the nation, O Lord. Thou hast increased the nation. Thou art glorified. Thou hast removed it far unto the ends of the earth. Lord, in trouble have they visited thee. They poured out a prayer. When I chasing was up on them, uh, I read this in verse fifteen. Thou hast increased the nation, and I thought upon that a while, and certainly that was so. In the beginning, God chose Israel to be His chosen people one that he would deal in particular with over and over, one that he, he would, uh, would be his son or his offspring. I don't think we understand how blessed we are in our day in this age of the Gentiles. We don't understand how blessed we are that the Lord turned from old dead Israel to a new Israel by adoption. You and I didn't have any part in that to begin with. None whatsoever. But because of the mercy of God, he sent the gospel to the Gentiles. And through adoption we have obtained the position of being the children. It's so important in this one thing of chastisement. Lord chastises his children. Not all rest. His wrath is poured out upon others. But chastisement, that's the reason I have such a problem of defining what chastisement really is. Because we are in amongst all the things that's going on this, in this world, uh, many bad things that happen, they happen to all men. We, no, no man escapes that. Even the people of God don't escape it. But they understand it. They understand that all things do work together to good to them that love the Lord. And are called, according to his purpose, that's where we're at now, a new calling. 
calling of the Gentiles. That's where we fit in. So God deals with us as Gentiles in the same way he did with old natural Israel. If the fall of them be the richest of the world and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, then that's where we fit in. We have come to our day. So the Lord chastises. And that's what he's talking about in verse 15, thou hast increased the nation. O Lord, thou hast increased the nation. Thou art glorified. Thou hast removed it far away. Lord, in trouble, have they visited? Have they visited thee? They poured out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them. That's when we do, isn't it? When chastening comes, it humbles. And it ought to. The same, same thing I was just talking about, it ought to humble us to no extent to know that we could be called the children of God. We hold a special place. A special place in the heart of God. We're his people and he's our God. So we hold on to that. In verse 20 then, come my people, enter thou into thy chamber and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a mo little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place. You didn't know the Lord had a place, did you? <laughs> put him in his place. That's what most people do nowadays, try to put him in his place. He has place, but he come out of that place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall, shall no more cover the sin. So the Lord deals with his people. It's our God. That's who we've waited for. He's come. In chapter 27, it said, And in that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish the Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even the Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall, he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. One stronger must come and deliver us, one stronger than old devil, stronger than the serpent, one had come. And in that day, seeing you unto her a vineyard of red wine, it's a special vineyard. It's one Lord has planted. It's one that we see today. It's the, the vineyard of the Lord that he has put together. And I, the Lord, do keep it, the vineyard talking about. It will water, I will water it every moment. 
lest any hurt it, and I will keep it night and day. You're going to plow it and cultivate it and break up the fallow ground, get the clods out of it, and water it. I think that watering is probably the preaching of the gospel. It's going to be watered. Living word. I, Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest, it, I, lest any hurry. I will keep it night and day. In verse 4, he said, Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and the thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. But it wasn't in him. He's long-suffering. It's a wonder. It's a wonder that the Lord didn't completely destroy Israel. They continually rebelled. With all the chastening of the Lord that come upon them, all their journeys through the wilderness, in the deserts, But the Lord is long-suffering. He chose not to completely destroy Israel. Matter of fact, he enlarged it. He has enlarged the nation. Now he's called the people out of every tongue and creed upon the face of the earth and put it together as one, the church, the called out the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the called out body, made it one, unified, put it together. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Bring it together and made it one. He enlarged it. <coughs> I don't know how we could <coughs> overlook either the chastening of the Lord upon his church. We've seen it in our day go from almost absolute dead to still living, the living church that presents the living word, the watering, the watering of the vineyard. It's the Lord's vineyard. He shall cause them, in verse 6, cause them that come to, of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Fruit. The fruit of the chastisement, the fruit of repentance, the fruit of humbleness before him, the fruit of praise unto him for his glory. Has he smitten him as a, uh, he that smote those that smote him? Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him?
in verse 8, he said, in measure, in measure. Didn't completely destroy him. He just chastises in measure. Always meted out exactly what we need. Exactly what it takes to cause us to repent. Repentance is a powerful, powerful thing. Cause us to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Or he said in measure, when it shooteth forth, thou wilt debate with it. He stayeth his rough wind in the day of the east wind. When the wind gets so rough, and howling and tearing stuff down. He'd stay it. And then verse 9. By this therefore shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. What a rough wind. Many rough winds. By the chastising of the people. He'd be purged. He's talking about you and I, the church. To be purged. This is all the fruit to take away his sin. Don't sound like fruit sometimes, does it? <laughs> Especially not a good summer fruit. But it is. It bears fruit. It's a wonderful fruit. The fruit to take away sin. When he maketh all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder, the groves and images shall not stand up. He'll tear it down. That's what he does. When he chastises us, he tears down our ivory towers. Takes it away. Cleanses. Cleanses our imagination. Purges. But when he tears down all of your monuments and your marks, and sets up his own, the marker in the way. When you cross the Jordan, get some stones out of there and build a monument over there that we, people would see it and they'd understand that it's the Lord that's brought you through. And that's what he's doing here. He tear down all of our worship places except the one true worship place which is Jesus Christ Amen. we gather together unto him it's in him that we live and move and have our being always in him he must have the preeminence so it tears down our little worship things that's where we started over there with the apostle Paul at Corinth 
That's what he is telling them. Let's get rid of all this stuff. Do you not have houses to eat in? Do it there. We got many monuments. They on every corner today is what we call church house. Most time we just say it's a church. It's on an empty building. They're everywhere. That's the little monuments people gather at. I think I might have mentioned Brother Russell the other day about a prayer garden. <laughs> what in the world is a prayer garden? Well, it's something that man has set up. Set up. Pray without ceasing. Pray when you're walking. Pray when you're asleep. It didn't. It didn't place. It's in Jesus Christ that we worship. Not in the place in the world. Let's take, let's tear that old altar down that you have built up. And go to one that the Lord has built. Beaten in sunder, the robes and the images shall not stand up. No, we got plenty of them, haven't we? Uh, years ago, I'd done two or three jobs with the Catholic Church. I'd go with old priests around through the buildings and things, always statues and stuff. And he, most of me would have to stop and do a little thing, you know, or something. And uh, finally, he asked me if, about seeing Jesus. And I just said, tell him, I didn't see him. I did not. But they had plenty of little statues up. I could tell him now, too, that you better watch out. If you be one of the Lord's you're fixing to get it. You're going to get the whipping of your life. Have all this stuff sitting around that you're worshiping. Beating in sunder the groves and the images. You're going to tear it up. No pretty little worship place. No little prayer garden. That's why he's talking about the groves. You understand they'd go up in the mountain in the groves. Some little areas up there that's so pretty and we call it pristine. And they called it worship. We hadn't changed a whole lot then. Believe me, it's about the same. Got to find a nice pristine place. Have the mood set. Get the mood set right. Light a few candles. Or something like that. Just anything. But that's what chastisement will do to the people of God. It will purge them from these idols. Yet the defense city shall be desolate. After all you're doing, it's going to be desolate. And the inhabitants 
forsaken and left a wilderness. And there shall the calf feed, and there shall he lie down and consume the branches thereof. It's going to be wasteland. All of your worship, your so-called worship, will not change it. There must be an humbling of the people of God before there be any change. And the only way they'll humble themselves is to be chastised with the Lord and understand that chastisement unto one is death is death unto death the other in this life life unto life the chastising is the purging away our sins removing them getting them out of the way where we can worship, have the liberty, if you will, the liberty to worship. Lay down all the false idols. Get rid of them. Get them out of your way so that you can see in 2 Corinthians back <clears throat> Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. <clears throat> I guess verse eight. Now I'll go back up to verse five. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's where we worship. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. For we troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always, always, bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. We're purged. We're purged for that reason, that it might show forth the glory of God. For we which live and are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might make manifest in our mortal flesh. 
so then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and present us with you for all things are for your sakes. All the chastisements and the hardships and all those things that come upon us. They come upon the world also, but it doesn't have any effect on them. But people of God, it has an effect. It humbles them. It's all for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, washing, washing of regeneration. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What glory? That's the question for us today. Do we see the glory? Glory, glory, glory. Eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What do we see? The chastising of the Lord is a grace, a major grace unto us. Or we turn about and run from God. Does it draw us in? Does it humble us and draw us in? Or does it run us away? Grace. Chastisement is a major grace given unto us by our God. Main thing is that we get rid of all those idols. Quit bowing down to everything. bow down to the Lord. Sometimes it seems kind of hard. We go through things at a time we think, how oh, in the world going to get through this? But the Lord always makes a way. He doesn't punish us more than we can stand. In measure. That's what he said, in measure. He always meets out exactly what we need. It may seem dark for a little while. But it always draws his people to repentance. Bow before the mighty hand of God. 
bow, bow, bow. In the 30th chapter of the book of Psalms, Psalm, Psalm, it says it so well. <clears throat> I'll get there in a minute. I think we'll read few verses here I will extol thee O Lord for thou hast lifted me up and hast made my foes to rejoice made my foes to rejoice over me O Lord my God I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me O Lord thou hast brought up my soul from the grave thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit sing unto the Lord O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. But for his anger, for his anger endureth but a moment. He won't give us more than we can stand. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in mourning. Sometimes chastisement may be a little grievous. But it won't stay that way. It'll do you good. It'll do me good. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord don't just leave us to ourselves? Let us pick up those old idols and keep on thinking that we're worshiping. Lord, evermore chastise us. Don't leave us to ourselves. If you leave us to our own imagination, we'd be gone. We'll be in that pit very quickly. We're always turning, always turning. But the Lord is always straightening us. Bring the chastisement, Lord, that we'd not go the way of the wicked.